like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, is Corey, the one star. Hello, hello. There should be no the in that. But nonetheless, we are here tonight to finish our um, Speaking My Language month of August 2020. And we are ending with Jean-Pierre Genois, like we began with him, uh, with Children, City of Lost Children. Sorry, I was going to say Children of Lost Cities. Uh, City of Lost Children. Um, it's a wacky week, guys. Everything is falling apart. Um, we just got horribly sad news about Chadwick Boseman right before we started to record. Um, passed away at the young age of 43 um, to colon cancer, which is horrifying. And my uh, editor at Berkeley Reviews and I are both now, um, you know, I just turned 38. He'll he'll be turning 39. And now we are both ready to go get checked uh, for colon cancer because we're way too close in that age. And that's terrifying. Um, tragic, sad, and uh, just another kick in the gut from 2020. I... I'm glad you said you guys are going to go. I work in the medical field. Non-clinical, non-clinical, but please go get your regular checkups, guys. Oh. Yeah. Um, I remember when I turned 30, I, I did, in my head, when I turned 30, that we were supposed to get the the dreaded test, um, which, you know, growing up in a time period where, like, men were extremely homophobic, that test was talked about as, like, the nightmare, right? Like, the doctor's going to put a finger in your butt. So when I turned 30, I went for the checkup expecting that test. And it was very like, I was stressed and I was very scared. And he's like, Oh no, you're not old enough for that yet. And I just looked at him. I was like, but movies and TV have led me to believe (laughs) that 30 is when I get that test. And I was really scared. And he's like, Oh, you're good. I'm like, is it 40? I guess so. I don't know. I I don't know. It might be, maybe that doctor doesn't like to administer that test, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Um, but uh, I've changed doctors, but no one's ever like asked if I've ever been checked. So I guess I need to investigate because I don't want to. Uh, I've been, as you have pointed out to me many times now, Uh-oh. I'm working really hard to be healthy. And so oh, yes. those little things like not putting suntan lotion when I run is is kind of dumb because I'm supposed to be doing things to stay healthy. So um, and, and right now I am I am quarantined uh, because um, COVID, the thing I've been afraid of since March has finally snuck its way into my life in a real way. Uh, my wife who is okay right now, and we're hoping that it's just going to be minor symptoms, of course, but um, she did test positive uh, and has a, a bad cold. A, bad's even strong. She has a, um, a minor cold and it was bad enough that she got worried, which is not like her. Uh, she's, <clears throat> she's one to tough it out, but she decided to go get tested and, um, so now I'm on quarantine and she's on quarantine. I have currently tested negative, um, but more than likely I just got the test too soon, which is yet another thing that irritates me about this whole process is because I had some people telling me I needed to get tested right that day. And other people were like, oh, you should really wait two days. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do, but I felt pressure from like certain people that I needed to get tested right away. So I did. Now I have to wait 10 days. And I'm like, if I had just waited two days, I would know more likely because now I'm like, I can't sleep in my bed because I'm trying to avoid getting it. So I'm like sleeping in my recliner, which is, it's comfortable. To be honest, I've slept very well because there's no animals on top of me. Uh, (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) But but I miss, 
I miss being next to my wife. And so, you know, um, and we, like, I can't, I'm not sitting next to her. We're eating at like tw 12 feet apart. And, um, you know, we're wearing masks when we're in the same room. Like it, it's, if I already had it, I would just be like, Oh, I already have it. But now I'm like, well, if I can avoid getting it, I might as well try to avoid getting it. Right. Like that's because you never know how bad it can get. That, that's no, it affects people differently. Right. Like if I knew I could get it and have the exact same thing she's having, then sure. But that's, I think it's because be... she's so mean. No, I'm kidding. No, I, you can you tell her I said that. Right. And listeners, just in case you don't, Kathy and Corey are very good friends. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> OG homies. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, but we're, we're okay. And I have to say, I, and I don't know if any of the people who are going to, uh, who listen to this podcast are the same people that I'm going to talk about, but I feel, um, so much gratitude to my community of, of friends and teachers and uh, um, former students who are now friends because they've long since they a few of them have been friends longer with me now than they were my students. But um, the, the outpouring of like one care, like just how many people are inquiring, checking in, but then uh, offering to go get us stuff. Like if, you know, so we don't have to go out and do things um, which we're not, we're not. Um, I used Instacart today drop off at the doorstep um for groceries and stuff but uh still like and that's the thing a lot of people offered to do that where i could have saved a little bit of money and not paid the like the delivery fee and the the, the tip or whatever but i like i had two issues is like one i don't have cash and not everyone's like set up with paypal so like or venmo or whatever so i wasn't sure like how i would exchange the money and then the other thing was like if i'm not buying it online i don't know that you'll get what i want you know like there's that like nervousness of like i don't want to like write a like a real thorough t text message of like i need this specific item you know so it made me nervous to ask a friend to do it so i just went with instacart but it's i'm so so grateful that people are offering to do that you know and like one friend has offered not only to make us uh chicken noodle soup but like full-on like 100 percent homemade with like noodles like made from scratch like talking about her kitchen aid has the pasta attachment i'm like um who is I this am, friend <laughs> I, 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 I love chicken noodle soup but, yeah <laughs> but uh I, I mean i haven't got it yet just saying but if i do get it um i will be even more grateful i'm grateful just to even the thought because i'm just like wow that's so much like um and i've never really had like this type of a circle of people around me that are so like caring and, and community like, yeah, it's it's I, I'm very grateful for my job on, on a regular basis. And that's not to say my friends have always been good to me. Don't get me wrong. Older friends but, uh, who have known me for a long time. But just like people who I, I I've just never had this kind of I mean, to be fair, I, most of my life, I haven't had situations like this where it's it's a scary thing that we're a part of. So maybe that's the worst part of this is like it's like, oh, it's happening because you're in a bad situation that could right now is really cool and it's OK. But, you know, you have to be vigilant because it could not be all of a sudden um but still I, mean, I am grateful for everyone uh who's asked about kathy and um offered to do any and again i i i've not taken anybody up on it really um partly because i am even if you're just bringing it to my doorstep i i'm still like ah what if you know like what if like i coughed on the stairwell or something you know like my brain is still I don't want anyone to get sick because of me. Like as, as soon as I found out that Kathy tested positive, I told, I texted my bosses and I was like, Oh my God, you know, I, I was with these people because we did a training on Monday. We were apart, but we were still together in the same room for a long period of time. Um, and so like there's, there was concerning things and, 
uh, it's just, it's real now, right? Like it's been, it, I've always believed in it. I've never doubted it for a minute, but now it's like in my world so much uh, that it's, it's pretty crazy. So if you're out there and you're going shopping and stuff, please, please mask up guys. Cause most likely my wife has it because of a customer who didn't take it seriously, who didn't wear a mask and she helped them uh, load up something or showed them where something was. And, you know, because uh, while my job did start back, we have not been, we have not had students yet. Um, and again, I've tested negative. So in theory, I, I shouldn't have been the one to get it and give it to Kathy. It should be the other way around, um, implying that, again, it was most likely a customer. So please, please, please wear your masks. Um, it is real. I, I now know uh, I'm sitting in a house with the person who has it. Luckily, again, right now I'm on the lucky side and I'm hoping that it stays that way. But, it, you know, it is scary because until until it's out of her system, it's on the fence. And of course, if I get it, I don't know what it's going to how it's going to hit me. I'm hoping that I because of all the health and the way I've been eating and stuff that it'll be OK. Um, but it may not be. So please be smart. Please, please, please be smart. Um, that said, that's how I've been doing. I guess we kind of dove into that on accident. Uh, how has your week been, Corey? I hope much more uneventful than mine. Well, I mean, you know. Um, it's fine. I'm glad it's over. I'm super glad it's, you know, the weekend. Um, and tomorrow is, well, first, this is kind of, it's movie related. Um, they really, they're doing pre-orders through Waxworks, which is a, uh, vinyl pressing company I really like. They do mostly, like, movie scores and stuff. Like, I have pretty sweet pressings of, like, Creepshow and Creepshow 2, um, Babadook Mm. scores. Um, they do really really cool pressings and today they announced pressings of the fog and so you know as soon as i went on my break i had to buy that um (laughs) and then they're also doing a pressing of uh escape from new york which i've never seen i tried to watch is it escape from i tried to watch Uh, another one um new york is the original la is the uh the not the remake but the sequel that's not love Maybe that was my problem. Maybe I should watch Escape from New York. Um, I didn't like the LA one. Um, I couldn't even get through it. But that's pretty cool. And then tomorrow is uh, the first Record Store Day drops. Um, usually Record Store Days in April, but well, COVID. And so they had to separate it into three days. I think uh, one's tomorrow, of course. And then I think there's one in September and one in October. And then we'll have like Black Friday uh Mm. which is always a mini record store day but i'm pretty sure that pretty much everything i wanted comes out tomorrow and i won the second time slot in line so and i don't have to wake up at 4 a.m i can wake up at 6 30 a.m well that's that's a bonus um heck yeah is that early wake up is it's kind of brutal but yeah um be uh, you know be safe but i know it's exciting because that is like your it is like you said your christmas kind of thing um yeah it's it's record store day it is your rex manning day it Um, is but it's way better because there aren't any well sometimes there are jerks there but not the people you know i don't know who are hosting it or whatever yeah i've been pushed before like there was one year that was pretty rough and i'm just like you guys i can throw elbows too um and then, like, I've come and, you know, been around a scalper who was asking people around me, like, what's the least, you know, 
pressed thing here that's going to sell for the most and then started snatching up titles and I'm like man get out of here but my record store is cool well that's tomorrow so Corey's going to probably be writing up some pieces about record store day so be on the lookout at berkreviews.com for that Um, in the meantime let's discuss what we've been watching since the last time we recorded Corey you want to go first or second I'll go first I don't have a lot okay Still watching Powerpuff Girls, and we watched the whole first season of Upload on Prime, which is by the same director, writer, that did um, The Office, the American version, of course, and then um, Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. Um, Upload sounds familiar. Um, Who's the star? Um, I don't remember. I think I've been meaning to watch this. Um because of that connection i'm always uh i'm very much like uh i need to watch three episodes before i write a show off or something and i'm glad i'm like that because like i don't think the first episode is super strong and you know how i am that i need to like my characters or i'm just not invested so give it three episodes like the first one i think is kind of longer i think 45 minutes but then the rest of them are like 25 30 minutes but i really liked it um yeah, it has a very interesting, like, premise. But, you know, when we die, we our consciousness is, like, uploaded <laughs> to these different places. Um, and then I watched, for the first time ever, and it was a 30th anniversary, and I'd been meaning to watch it, so I figured I might as well, uh, Sam Raimi's Dark, Dark Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was a good time. Lots of explosions. I liked it back in the day. I haven't seen it in years, but I was a fan when I was a kid. Yeah, I feel like I probably would have liked it when I was a kid. I liked it now, but, you know. Yeah, I'm not as big of a Sam Raimi fan as some, but I like a lot of his older stuff. I'm a big Evil Dead uh, and Evil Dead 2 fan. and <gasps> then, um, I like Drive Me to Hell. I don't know if I did. That's Justin Long, right? Like, he's like the yeah. husband? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think I, I think I went in expecting more of a horror movie and found it to be like, like silly. And I don't know why it didn't click for me because I often like horror comedies and I don't think I realized it was Raimi when I was watching it either. But, um, I just remember thinking a lot of it was stupid, man. Like there was like the whole, cause there's like a, a psychic or something, right? Like towards the end. Um, I am not sure what she would be called got it i i don't think i liked all of that stuff i thought it was just cheesy and silly but i like it i I remember walking out of the theater and the people behind us were like what are they trying to do make a funny horror movie and i'm like you have obviously i mean and that's the thing i apologize i love those movies that's what i don't i I feel like maybe i went in with the wrong mindset of what i was watching and i hate when i do that Yes, I I might need to go back to it. I'm also a big Justin Long fan. Like, I tend to like him in everything. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, there are movies that I I unapologetically love because of him. Uh, Die Hard 4. Oh. Um, Live Free or Die Hard. He's like the, the, he's like a computer nerd that ends up with Bruce Willis. I love that movie. And it's bad. Like, it's, it's easily like, no, it's not good. But he's in it. Kevin Smith has a cameo in it as like a a nerdy hacker guy. Um, and that's where he meets Bruce Willis for the first time, then directs cop out, which I also defend, but nonetheless, um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably need to revisit that. I feel like you should. You didn't even, we, we dove into that movie and we didn't even like, you didn't actually just watch it. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but Darkman, I should also oh. revisit because it's the 30th anniversary. Yeah, well, we were just talking about Sam Raimi, and yeah. I just thought it was funny that you were saying that about it being funny, and there were people walking out of the theater. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure in Little Lake Wales, but um, oh, and I do I love that Bruce Campbell has so many cameos. Oh, <laughs> like cameos all of his movies. movies. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's Bruce Campbell because Bill watched like the last half of it. Bill really likes Bruce Campbell. We were supposed to see him. Uh, supposedly we're supposed to see him in September, but I think that's going to be canceled. And it's a screening of Evil Dead, I think. I just watched um, a documentary at Fantasia Fest called Hail to the Deadites. Oh. Um, that, that's about uh, Evil Dead fans and, like, conventions and stuff. And Bruce Campbell has a lot of interviews in it. It's pretty he's, – he's excellent. I am such a Bruce – it's hard not to. He's so charming. Like, it's, he just comes off as so genuine. And in the documentary – it's not it's not a spoiler because it's a documentary, but – there is a guy who cosplays and he was wanting to go to this evil dead convention that Bruce Campbell's going to be at, but it, like, and he wants to like meet Bruce Campbell, but he doesn't have the money. So he does like his friends convince him to do like crowdfunding. And, um, it appears and it's never verified. That's why I guess it's not a spoiler, but it's very much hinted at that. Bruce Campbell heard about the guy and put the money up for him to come without like, but doing it anonymously and never fully confirming, but definitely hinting that it was him. And, I'm just like, I already love Bruce Campbell and that's amazing, you know, like, and I wouldn't, I don't fault him for not fully committing to saying it because then every evil dead fan is going to like try to hit Bruce Campbell up for money. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, so like, it's just like, but it's heavily implied because he even like, he, he kind of alludes that he knew about the guy like having the crowdfunding thing and he just kind of like smiles and nods, but won't say it. And it's like that, that dude's so cool. Um, And he, my favorite interview in that documentary is Bruce Campbell talking about, uh, fans and how like um, he uh, is so grateful for the amount of love they pour out and he's like as long as it's healthy and you're not like stalking somebody or whatever it's amazing like it, it like any any actor who denies loving the fan like praise and and that kind of thing is is kidding themselves because that's part of the reason why you want to be an actor right like you want people to admire your talent so you know he like embraces it in, a, in just such a cool way um, and again, he also is like, but be healthy about it. Like, don't be, you know, don't hurt yourself or hurt us or like, don't waste all of your money just getting like images of me, but you know, have a healthy relationship with the fandom and it's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like what fandom should be is exactly what Bruce Campbell describes in the documentary. So hail to the dead eye, something Bill might want to check out. Heck yeah. Maybe me too. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but you watch a lot of movies. Bill's not I a do. movie guy, right? So it's no, like, sometimes I rope him in though. Yeah, and I think that one will do it because it'll it'll <laughs> to the deadites. It will uh, t- tide him over until he gets the opportunity to see Bruce Campbell in person. You know, like I'm sorry, I know that we need to record, but or like start our review of the movie. But I love when Bill gets excited about stuff like that because he doesn't get excited about a lot of stuff like that. So I was like, I was like, I don't know if he'll really want to go, but he's like, hell yeah, we're gonna go see Bruce Campbell it's the night before my birthday. That's great, and then totally. you know, yes. It ruins everything. Um, before we get into the review, I still have to do my what I've been watching. Corey, I'm so sorry. Um, I did. I mean, I mentioned that, but I watched that like two weeks ago. Um, so I, I'm finishing up Fantasia Fest, and I also had a couple of big screeners this week that I was super stoked about. That I'm excited. I can talk about because all the embargoes are off. Oh, nice. Um, so uh, one um, before I get into the movies, I, I started watching. Uh, I needed something to like throw on in the background while I was doing work and stuff because I'm like super busy. So I started watching um, Taste the Nation, and I'm going to forget the, her name is attached, and I cannot remember names very well. But it's a she's a chef, 
and she's kind of exploring what what is american cuisine but not um but by like looking at different pockets of of culture throughout america like like uh, chinatown being a really big thing in, in the country right like there's tons of chinatowns and um she does these really great interviews with people like who make the food and it's it's just really really awesome um it's on hulu it's a hulu original um sorry i'm still getting texts from people um about chadwick boseman as though he was my best friend because everyone knows how much i love movies so like they are assuming incorrect that i am upset about this so i'm getting like everybody this is like their time to reach out to me and be like did you hear and yes it is horribly tragic um but uh taste the nation definitely worth watching especially if you if i love food shows like i i went several years ago i was like hardcore binging on the food network i've slowed down because a lot of them are repeats or i saw the worst thing ever the other night mm. um i love diners drive-ins and dives like big fan of that show i i am a guy fietti fan i i can't deny it i'm not like i don't necessarily like his style or whatever but i just he's got such optimism and i i tend to respond well to optimism that's a lot people. of good things though for you know right and that's all the more reason why i like him right now is because he has done so many good things and he often doesn't do anything to like make people know he's doing all the good things um but what i could not stand was what the food network has become apparently they're so desperate for like content that they had an episode of diners drivers and dives where he was sitting on his couch with his sons watching an episode of diners drivers and dives and commenting on it what yeah and I'm like, okay, hold the hell up. Like, I don't need meta commentary on guys rewatching of an old episode of a show that you're already rerunning. Like, that I've seen the rerun of the show that he was watching as a rerun and commenting on. And I'm like, that's too far. That is too many layers of rerun for a <laughs> network. Like, you, you have run out of options if that's what oh, you're no. doing. I mean, because let's be real. VH1 did the the pop up video, which just essentially was we've run out of music videos. But I love pop up video. I learned so many things. Uh, totally because it was unintrusive because you could still hear the song, and then pop see the video, the little details, and you wouldn't have to pay attention to the details. But no, I agree. But like that was this was like that level, but worse, right? Like where it's like even if he had just like had little blurbs or something, I'd have been okay with it. But like to cut to them just chilling, like he made his kids watch his show. <laughs> so he could comment on it i mean first of all they should be grateful you know? which and they were they weren't complaining but in my head i'm just like this is the this is like cruel parenting right like hey kids come watch the thing your dad like it'd be like if i made taylor come watch like a concert of me playing like 10 years ago in my glory days you know and again granted he's glory doing much better days. than i ever did but i've never like made her sit i have made her listen to my albums without telling her they were my albums while we were <laughs> okay but, okay but we weren't being filmed, okay? <laughs> it was for my own uh, enjoyment. Um, but all right, so I wonder how uh, she's gonna like this track. No. Um, so I've watched uh, a lot of movies from the Fantasia International Film Festival um, that uh, you can't watch yet. Um, I think I can talk about all of these. I have, there's not that many. I've been really busy this week, and finding time to watch movies has not been easy. And I had commitments to movies that I had to watch. Um, which is why I barely got this movie in for our, our episode, uh, Under the Wire. But um, I watched Cosmic Candy, which is a Greek film uh, I, I saw at the festival. It's okay. It's not great. It 
the what made me pick it um off the list was someone compared it to Yorgos Lanthimos, who I am a huge fan of. Oh yeah. Uh it is not Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh just I think that comparison is because he's a Greek director that they were familiar with. And otherwise, nothing in common in my opinion, uh, with his style. Um but I finally watched uh Beyond the Lights. Um when I say that, like it's a movie when you look at the poster, it looks like it is not made for anybody outside of teenagers. And that's a shame because it is not meant for teenagers at all. It is a more mature version of A Star is Born in a lot of ways. Um, and it's really good. It is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, uh, who uh, just did The Old Guard, which is a Netflix original. Uh, my favorite podcast, The Blank Check Podcast, is are doing a miniseries on her. So I've been trying to keep up with as much of it as I can. Um, I had to rent this one because it's not it's not cheap to buy and it's not available anywhere. Um, but I paid the three bucks to rent it and I am not disappointed. It was very good. Um, I wish I'd bought it kind of. It, it was it's like 15 bucks digital and that's just too much uh, in my opinion. But um, at some point, if it's ever on sale, I will definitely pick that one up. Um, I got to see the new Dev Patel movie, The Personal History of David Copperfield. Oh, um, which I knew uh, I've been wanting to see and I wasn't going to get to see it because it's, it's out in theaters now and I'm not I'm on quarantine for one. But I wasn't I was already apprehensive about going to the theater um but i was able to get a screener for it and i was super stoked because I, I am a huge dev patel fan it is um i liked it a lot it worked for me uh it's hugh laurie is really funny in it um to be fair i know nothing about the book but i have a mantra which i did put in my review i don't usually quote myself but i i've made this a joke and i, I can't help it uh the book is never better than the movie if you never read the book and okay that applies heavily for me because I have not read the book. So I have nothing to compare it to. The movie's good. Is it as good as the book? I don't know. And I'm never gonna because I'm not reading the book. So uh, problem solved. Now, to be fair, I do read sometimes. And I, I, I'm not in any way encouraging people not to read by making that joke. But realistically, it's a very true statement because the book can't be better if you don't know what the content of the book is, right? Like, it's just logic. Um, so for me, movie's really good. A few reviewers I read their reviews seem to not like the movie, but they've read the book. And I'm saying there's a pattern here. I went that route. Um, and then Matt and I uh, can, but I love that Matt also isn't familiar because it is, it's a Charles Dickens book. And for us, when we hear the name David Copperfield, all we think about is the eighties magician. Like that is the only thing that comes to mind. I do not associate the name David Copperfield with a book by Charles Dickens. I associate it with a magician who I watched as a child and, Matt's the same. So uh, well, at least two of us, when we hear David Copperfield, we're not thinking literature. We're thinking magicians. Um, then the the next night, uh, we got to see Bill and Ted's... I'm sorry, not Bill and Ted's, just Bill and Ted face the music. The new uh, movie that is officially out on VOD now. Um, and I, Corey, loved it. Loved. Yep. Loved it. Um, I... I'm a big fan of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've actually taught Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, I think, two years and uh, two multiple classes um, because so many kids had never seen it. And I'm just like, hold on. And I uh, I adore the first one. There's definitely problems. Uh, there are things that are very 1989 about the movie, and I, I think that's okay, um, especially, again, not justifying some of the they, – they, they throw some um, homosexual uh, slang terms at each other, and there there's definitely some homophobia, but it's of the era – and I don't feel like they're ultimately like disrespectful um, in that way. I think it's just very representative of the mindset of young men at that time was that anything that even remotely could make someone think you were gay, you were quick to say 
you know, nope, not gay. Um, and that was basically the movies are kind of about heterosexual love, right? Like these two are in a bromance at the, the highest level. And the optimism that comes out of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is one of the things that I've always admired The be excellent to each other is something we so need right now. And uh, it comes off in this movie the same way. It is so optimistic and so hopeful. Um, even the negativity that is inherent in a movie, because you're going to have conflict, it still feels um, like there's. It's just it's just happy and it, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, I'm not saying it's like a masterpiece and it's going to change lives, but it's super upbeat and it's fun. And it's light. It's only 78 minutes. Like. It's it's exactly what it's supposed to be, and for me, that was what I wanted, and I I was so so excited because I was it, there was such a chance that I was just going to be like, oh my god, this is too much, but it for me, it clicked everywhere it needed to, um, and uh, something it made me think about something I hadn't noticed until seeing this movie, and I don't want to say exactly why, but um, one of the things about the first movie that's so memorable are all the historical figures, right, <laughs> and it never really occurred to me that all of the historical figures, except for Genghis Khan are white and that only um, Joan of Arc is a woman, right. In that group of historical figures. And when you think about those historical figures, most of them are significant in some way, right? Like Beethoven. Oh, of course, if you're going to pull like an iconic musician, Beethoven makes sense. If you're, you know, if you're going to get like an intellectual Sigmund Freud kind of makes sense. I get why, like, you know, you would pull him. I, right, I think there's others, <laughs> but I, I can see that. Like, I can see Einstein, of course, as well, or whatever. Fine, but um, and but Billy the Kid is a historical figure that we needed to get for our history report. Like, I, he's a great character in the movie. I think he's one of my favorite characters in the movie because he's so chill about the whole time travel thing, and they even call him out on that. He's like, "You're handling this with most, you know." Like, I forget their exact wording, but it's great. It's a fun line. I love that, but really like that's the historical figure that we settled on and again you're talking only 20 years out from martin luther king jr malcolm x rosa parks you know like from the their time period in the movie and not not the historical figures that they go and get and so when you consider that it is like oh that's disappointing um and i think this movie the new movie does something to kind of remedy a lot of those little things the both these slurs and also um the the discrepancy in representation in the historical figures so hmm. uh, i won't say how or or how it plays in the plot or who uh but it's really i was like it made me think about the other movie in a new context that i hadn't and i was like man that is um i think that's worthy of note uh, that that you see this movie you know aging into the new generation in a way that is positive so um but i loved it again it is available now on vod my review is up at com and uh, almost done. I didn't watch much else. Um, movie I don't think I can talk about, so I'm going to hold off. Um, but I watched the movie The City of Lost Children, and I'm literally an hour and 20 minutes into this two-hour movie uh, starring Cary Grant called Arsenic in Old Lace that I am having a blast with. It is a dark comedy, and I did not know that going into it. It's directed by Frank Capra, uh, Capra who I am a big fan of because it's a wonderful life. Um, although, wait, now I'm, now I'm hesitating that I'm wrong. and he No, I'm right. Yeah, I'm right. Um, but uh, definitely different tone. But I got to say, Cary Grant um, and uh, James Stewart are in the Philadelphia story together, which I adore that movie. Thank you, Big Tuna, for getting me to watch that. Um, and I've now taught that two years in a row. Uh, 
but Grant and, and Stewart are in that movie, very different characters. But in this movie that is a Capra film, Grant is reminding me of Jimmy Stewart so much with like, he's doing this like manic yelling thing and his voice sounds so much like Jimmy Stewart and it, it is killing me. Um, so now I'm just wondering if like Capra just likes his actors to yell. Um, but this movie is a real dark comedy. I can't wait to finish it when we get done recording. Um, I hope, uh, although I might pass out cause I am tired, but um, I I'm on a Cary Grant kick though. And I do want to wrap up with this and we'll move into our review of uh whatever we're reviewing uh uh there's a podcast that i've been a big fan of for a while called the secret history of hollywood oh yeah um i've talked about it with you before and uh i can't i can't stress how great it is but um his first series that i listened to was uh well the first series i listened to from the secret history of hollywood was the val luton series um called shadows and i i became a huge Val Luton fan because of it. I, I knew nothing about him before I started listening to it. I know everything about him now, it feels. I've seen a few of his movies. I still have many to go. They're not, I would keep waiting for Criterion to do like a box set that I can get a hold of instead of buying them individually. Because um, then you'll want the Criterion anyway. Right, because exactly. If I own them and then he, they do release it, I'll be like, well, now I have to have I'm that. I'm not judging you. Be, there will be so many good documentaries on it because they oh, yeah. they did a box set a few years ago where Scorsese like had like interviews and stuff and it's not in print anymore. And so I really want that. I'm just like, please, Criterion, read, you know, reprint the, his movies, and then give me all that bonus content that I totally will dive into. But um, so I list, I love that podcast. And then he did uh, before that he had done the Warner Brothers slash James Cagney together, and I loved that series as well. And th- he just dropped the first episode of the Cary Grant series, and I I've been a fan of Cary Grant, but I've I've only seen a few of his movies. I've seen like the four biggest movies though i've seen his girl friday i've seen um philadelphia story many times um i've seen north by northwest many times and then we just watched um to catch a thief a couple weeks ago or a month i don't know we've watched it since we've been in quarantine sometime um and uh so and those are like on the top like of his rankings of, of movies and stuff um but i knew very little about him as an actor or more as a person and uh the first episode of of this podcast, and I don't know how many episodes he's going to do for Cary Grant, but the first episode is 12 hours long. Mm-hmm. So literally it took a lot of my like walking and running this week was listening to that podcast. Um, and it was amazing. Like I'm not complaining about it being 12 hours long. It is, it is so, it's so well done. It is like a, a radio show. So he does like, he he'll break into a narration, but he'll then, He'll go into like scenes and he'll do voices and stuff. And um, man, Cary Grant's life is insanely interesting. And the way he ends the episode with 12 hours is he still manages to get a cliffhanger. Cause I, I'm like, like 12 hours, is it just going to be one episode? Cause like how many hours can there be? Apparently there's a lot, like there's a lot to tell Shoot. of Cary Grant's story because in 12 hours, not once did it feel like, Oh, this is superfluous. Sometimes you'll think he's gone off on a tangent. And then when that tangent comes back, it comes back in a huge way. And you're like, oh, my God, I never realized why he was talking about this one thing until now. It's like so important to the the overall like narrative of, of Cary Grant's life. The cliffhanger that he drops, which I picked up on, like I was like, there's information being withheld and I'm waiting for it. And sure enough, it was like the end. But it ends where you're just like, no, 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 I need an explanation. Oh, and I is, this could be. I don't know how frequent he's going to drop the episodes, but it will be probably at least a month before one drops. And I'm just like, oh, well, I mean, 
going to be torture. I know if he's doing a 12 hour episode, I don't Can you even him. imagine like all no. the, ugh, I mean, the writing and work and weekly hour episodes. And it, it sometimes feels like it's so much just to get ready. And we're just watching a movie and then talking <laughs> about it. He's like doing research and then writing a script and then recording multiple voices. And apparently um, at the end of the episode, he like talks cause he has to do the promotion thing. He's trying to get patrons and stuff like that. Um, he was saying that uh, he had to re-record all of the Cary Grant dialogue because he didn't like his voice doing the Cary Grant voice. And I was like, "You, it's like a large part of the 12 hours is the Cary Grant dialogue. So he recorded a lot of hours at least twice. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> but again, he's got a pretty big following. I think he's got, uh, he has some kind of contract with Audible where his podcast is released on, as an audio book too. So oh, um, cool. yeah, he, he's doing really well but he he deserves it because it's amazing the stuff he puts out is top-notch amazing if you are a film nerd like myself you owe it to yourself to listen to the podcast because they are they're inside baseball man you learn so much about the industry and the people and um it's cool because they all it's all from this time period it's all like from the early days of the golden era of the studio system so you get a lot of crossover yet not at the same time but like here's rko picture shows up major part of Val Luton's story it's definitely a part of Cary Grant's story it's it's excellent I didn't mean to go on as long of a tangent but it is a podcast that I think is under under listened to I only know um a few people who listen to this podcast and it's a travesty and I I tell other film nerds about it and it's just like they don't seem like they're willing to commit to it and it bugs me especially like Matt I don't know if he's listened to it yet Matt but if you're listening to this you, one you love podcasts like how does he have podcasts. any time though i know i know he does so, he does many, so many things um but you know I, I you just listen to it in pieces that's i get some people aren't good at that um but i you you do that all the time with movies so i think you could do it with a podcast but i mostly listen to stuff though while i'm working and it's hard for me to listen to like sure, talking I, and stuff because i'll yeah, I get that. start typing it Mm-hmm. <laughs> well listener that's what we've been watching we will stop there so we can get into our review of city of lost children after this commercial break and we are back we are here to talk about the city of lost children from 1995 um directed by our boy uh our boys mark caro and jean-pierre genois um you know Corey and i tend to be fans of his not all but mostly um, we're not talking about month, alien or... yeah alien resurrection did not happen um earlier this month uh we we covered micmacs which we had not seen and now we're, uh, i have actually seen the city of lost children at a special screening not too long ago um but Corey had not and so it made sense to add it it has a 73 meta score a 7.5 imdb user score the uh, plot synopsis is a scientist in a surrealist society kidnaps children to steal their dreams hoping that they slow his aging process that's um, what i need to do <laughs> right. I'm, uh, I'm using moisturizer it, and stuff and I'm gonna need well, to this is a french film um and it it does star ron perlman um who is not french and i don't believe that he speaks french natively but they keep his dialogue to a minimum for the most part mm-hmm. because he plays a strong man um named one uh you get daniel emil fork who plays crank judith vitette who plays miette that's the little girl uh we get our boy dominique pignon back in this movie um, in a big way uh really um i didn't put together that uh marcello is the butcher from delicatessen uh john claude <gasps> dreyfus um and i'm seeing his imdb picture i'm like oh yeah okay that makes perfect sense that is that dude but 
and there's some other people who are familiar looking, but Dominique Pignon has a lot to do in this movie, and I love that about because he's great. Um, and then uh, it looks like Miette has not done much else. Um, she's in The Very Long Engagement, which is his uh, Jean-Pierre Genois film that we've not seen. Um, but yeah, she hasn't done... Oh, what is she there? Oh, I'm sorry. She's the in the costume department. She's not actually in the movie. Um, she Wow, that's interesting. She must have gone a different direction with her career. Yeah, she's a costume designer. Huh. Kind of cool. Starts as an actress and becomes a costume designer. Um, Corey, first time seeing the movie. What would you think? Ah, um, well, I felt I was paying attention to this movie the whole time, but I felt a little lost. I also reading the plot synopsis. I was like, that's why he's stealing their dreams is to stop the aging process. I right. Okay. Together. I was like, I, I feel like they're really expecting you to make a lot of really weird connections. Like yeah. there were quite a few things that, cause I went back and I was like, I watched this and it, it just isn't, you know, it's not a uh, clicking for me, but yeah, I was like, uh, reading a couple things and then I did read the like the plot and I was like what but um yeah um I feel like it's a little hard to follow um I I don't disagree with that obviously I just made the comment that I had missed a major plot point um although I don't think that really matters also like you get that he's he's I... kidnapping children and it's wrong it doesn't matter what his motivation is right <laughs> like right and that you know, Ron Perlman is trying to get his brother back and, you know, mm-hmm. like, I got the big, you know, big story, big idea, but I feel like it would have been more, more enjoyable if, because it, it seemed a little long to me. It, I felt uh, like, yeah, it, it could, it's it two could hours, be right? Yeah, it's just under two hours, and there's there is a part that feels like you could have cut it out. Um, it's one of those those scenes where it, like it feels like it's there to extend the movie rather than actually move the plot along. Like there's parts where it's just kind of like, okay, yes, fine, but do, does this need to be here? Because it's not really adding anything. Um, and it and it kind of does like there because it's the the time where it feels that way is uh well I guess that's spoiler stuff. Let's hold off on talking plot details, but um. So I really liked this movie. Um, the first time I saw it, I really liked it. I will admit that because I was watching it a second time, I was multitasking a little more than I normally would, especially with the foreign film, because subtitles. Uh, but I still love I love so much about the film that I can let the plot elements that I don't get go, because I love um, like I I love his style, like the look of his films. And this one is weird looking because it does use. Um, at least the version we were able to watch, it was at a uh, 4-3 aspect ratio, which is not what the film was originally shot in, but it appears that you can only get the SD version of the film right now. Um, okay, so I'm, do, I thought it was my TV being weird, because no. the, the picture was smushed, and I didn't like it, but... Now, that's... I, I feel like the smush is on purpose, um, because I think he wanted to have this distorted dreamlike uh, aesthetic Fair. to the film um given the nature of all of the dream nightmare stuff um i kind of i almost wonder if we're supposed to believe that the movie itself is one of the dreams that he's stealing and like we he's stealing it from us kind of thing you know um 
I don't know that for a fact, and I couldn't find anything to confirm or deny the, the smushness. Um, I did find something that I felt like the aspect ratio was not what our aspect ratio was in, um, meaning it, it was adjusted for TVs. It was like the widescreen, or the, uh, not the widescreen version, the um, full screen version that you used to get when you bought DVDs. Remember, you had like the two choices? Yes. Uh, and the full screen would fill up the old TVs God, that were my square. dad always bought full screen. Right, so did I, because I was like, I want to use all my screen, because I was, I was an idiot. I didn't get letterboxing at the time. Um, I do now, but, uh, so that's what it feels like the version that's on uh, Voodoo is available, but um, I can't remember, when I saw it in the theater, because I saw it, it wasn't a real theater, it was like a museum theater that was having a special screening for the college that I went to, um, which I was not in college, but I was like, my college sends emails to like alma mater stuff. And I was like, Ooh, and it's open to the public. It's not exclusive, but um, I saw it there. I can't remember what the aspect ratio. I do remember feeling that smush this though, like thinking like the, the image is weird. And then when it kind of, it just kind of felt like that was part of the style. And um, he's got such a knack for aesthetic that I didn't, I didn't hesitate to just accept it. And it, um, it does feel to lessen, that smushness as the film moves on in my opinion not it's definitely not as significant as the opening like 10 minutes but it's still there like it's still clear that the picture is not the way you, it doesn't look like reality but it's definitely not trying to be reality it's this kind of like alternate french world um i love the the i don't know i love the look of the film and i i love the performances i think um i'm i'm a sucker for surrogate family movies because of my own kind of uh like i mentioned earlier my community thing but i've always had friends that i thought of i think of as like brothers or um sisters if you will or like you know they're this is my family and so movies that are about like uh people feeling alone and finding um a replacement family often click for me it's one of the things i love about peanut butter falcon um and it's it's definitely something in this with ron perlman and and miet uh i think is her name that um click for me as well is that surrogate you know they need somebody and they find something they find this uh attachment is he's so childlike in this movie and she is so mature that that dynamic is kind of interesting um and so i overall like the movie um i guess i should i keep like hinting at plot details i hope nothing i said was a spoiler but um do you have anything else before we move into spoilers no then Corey, warn them Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie, maybe in grade detail from John, but maybe not from me, because I didn't fully understand, but you've been warned. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know that I can break the plot down into like, <laughs> specifics, but I, I can, I, we you know, it. things that I like in the plot, um, or in the story. Um, He does, I, I'm like trying to think, I think that maybe Amelie, like, we still haven't seen The Age of Innocence, but... um. Maybe of the movies that we've seen, Amelie's the only one that isn't set in this, like, alternate mm. or, like, dark, you know, kind of world or time. Um, and even this one where kids are just, I mean, all of these orphans are going out and stealing for, I guess, the orphanage they live in. I wasn't really sure about who those people were. Um like going out and stealing and going on all these crazy whatever because they have to kind of it seems like pay their way they have to you know steal jewels and 
a, a safe at one point. Um, and just that kids are getting picked off. And it seems like there maybe aren't a lot of kids because they keep getting picked off, kidnapped yeah. to me. Um, yeah. So, and I like that the city is just like, it seems like it's completely surrounded by water. Yeah, like it, an island of sorts. Yeah. So I didn't know if that's what was going on with that um, aspect ratio is that they were trying to make it feel more claustrophobic because oh. it seemed like a very small area. And then when we go to the lab or whatever you want to call it, that's like tiny. So I didn't know about that. Yeah, that that would make sense. Um, and, you know, there's uh, I love like his the, the evil scientist element of this movie is so interesting and fun to me. Um, because he's clearly evil because he's desperately trying to stay young by kidnapping children but um also like he he was lonely so he invented a woman but he was cursed and then you know um he invents a son and then the son has a disease where he falls asleep so he's like you know and like we're told all of that exposition as like a bedtime story of sorts to make him cry and his own story makes him cry and that's kind of funny you know it's like darkly funny it's like you know, it's yeah. kind of what you get because you're you're a horrible person, but at the same time, it's like, oh, you know. Um, and of course, Dominic Kenyon's character is because he's playing this like clone son, six, seven. Yeah, and there's a debate of who the original is, which is also kind of funny. Um, and then, I mean, I like Ron Perlman. I tend to enjoy him and stuff. Like, I love him as Hellboy. Um, and this is what just a few years before Hellboy or right before Hellboy. Um. Because it's ninety five, and I think Hellboy is like ninety six or ninety seven. I think. Oh, really? I I was in high school when I saw Hellboy, so it's definitely in that ballpark. Um, I'm confirming now. Uh, oh, I'm way off. It's was I not in high school? Man, I guess I wasn't. Why do I remember it as a high school movie? It's two thousand four. I am way off. So this is uh, nine years. I associate it with my aunt, and that's why I, I assumed I was living with my aunt, which would have been in high school. But now I have no idea why I associated with my aunt because I was a, I was graduating college, um, so way off. Maybe there's another Ron Perlman. I know he was in the Beauty and the Beast TV show, and my grandma definitely watched that. Hmm. Oh well. Um. So ninety five. Uh. Perlman. So way off from being Hellboy, but nonetheless, I'm a I'm I tend to like Perlman. Um. I like him in this uh, as well. So, um, it just kind of clicks for me there. Uh, that's I think it's this movie's just got a weird charm about it and a weird quirkiness that I I'm okay not fully getting the plot. Um, I I'm sure there's some commentary happening here. I didn't have the the wherewithal to even attempt an analysis this time. I don't remember if I analyzed it more when I saw it the first time. Um, I'm just like I'm you know going through with the whole COVID thing and then having to switch from being on campus to completely being online and. Uh, and then just the normal stress of like the times we're living in. And then I got to be honest, uh, my wife and I, um, we didn't love being quarantined the first time. And we kind of had it easier because she had to go to work because she was an essential employee. So we weren't as locked down as some people were. We were still you know, mostly locked down and we weren't going places and a lot of the businesses were closed. So we were we were isolated, but we had a little bit of freedom. And now we are like it's not safe for us to leave and two days in we are we are definitely already like cabin fever like, yeah like it's that fast 
her worse than me because I I actually am a homebody. <laughs> I I don't mind being home normally. I do have I apparently have a weird rebellious streak where I don't like being told I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that that seems to be the trigger for me is that it's like it's the knowing that I shouldn't go because other times I'm completely fine with just staying home all day. But like being told that you can't is like mm, really though. Are Watch you sure? Me. Um, and, but I and I won't. But like it does like start to, you know, oh my god, like, um, and especially because I just started uh, very cautiously wearing masks, uh, going to play magic again, and now it's like nope, not for a whole month. And I'm like, oh my god, but I just got it back. Um, so yeah, that it, it kind of it's it makes me sad. Um, but just, as, you know, we don't want to spread the virus, so we're doing yeah. what we have to do. Yeah. And of course, I do have people willing to bring us stuff, and I do have the option for like uh, contactless delivery, where they can just drop it on the doorstep. Um, I mean, and- thank goodness for twenty twenty for that. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't just in twenty twenty, but you know, I I've never. I the only time I've used the delivery stuff was when I was at, at film festivals and couldn't get somewhere. Um, like especially in Austin when I was staying for South by my hotel was like way away from everything. So if I didn't have like Uber eats or Grubhub, I wouldn't have been able to get food outside of the hotel almost. Um, not for like, uh, to be fair, I probably shouldn't have been eating when I was eating at the time, but that's why I had to lose 120, uh, 110 pounds over the last year. But, um, but I mean, also you're in Austin. I just really hope you had some delicious barbecue. Oh, I had, you know, I don't know if I ever got to the barbecue <gasps> stuff. Um, I did have some amazing tacos. I mean, um, I love tacos. I can't remember the name of the Austin taco place, but it's like a staple for like South by. And then there's a, I, there, the barbecue place everyone kept talking about was like in a really weird part of town. And I just could not get in Stubbs. to like get the food. Yes. It was Stubbs. Um, I, I, I had made an effort to go and I, I, I quickly like back, I was walking to it and I came across like the homeless alley where there's just like a hundred homeless people, like all on the road. And I got like, I was like, well, I don't want to walk through that. And at the t- I was trying not to spend money on an Uber because I was expensive. Um, but yeah, uh, never made it to Stubbs. Also, because I, I was also told, like, you might sit there for like two hours and not get in kind of thing, you know, because it is such a uh, tourist attraction. But um, especially during South by where it's like a thousand people are there. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an understatement. There's a lot of people out there for South by. But um, nonetheless, uh, I digress. Um the but the food the food delivery services during the pandemic have been a uh, a blessing because i have used it way more than i've ever used it um, every time i hesitate because like seeing the extra charge when i'm like I, it's literally i could drive there myself and not pay the six dollars and then a tip you know um but when you can't leave it's a real blessing because you're like well i really want food from somewhere that i didn't make so I will pay the stupid delivery. Yes. Or when Bill and I were really sick a few months ago and we thought we had it. Um, I just really needed Diet Coke sometimes. and I needed it to be fountain because that's who I am as a person. Ah. You know. So that's Jimmy John's delivers. Oh. And also. Yeah. I, I like the restaurants that deliver them like within like their own company because one, I think that they get paid better that way. And two. Um, the delivery fees are often way cheaper if you order through the company than from one of the, the services. But um, I have used I've used DoorDash a few times, um, like for other reasons with the pandemic. I found uh, Jersey Mike's is my favorite sub. That just and, seems 
not right to me when you have Publix right down the road. <laughs> I they they have what's called the Big Kahuna, either Philly cheesesteak or chicken Philly, and it has uh, jalapenos on it, which is my big kick right now. I'm like on a really big jalapeno kick, and it is my favorite sub. Like I, there is not a better sub in my for my money than the uh, the Jersey Mike's um, Big Kahuna. Either either one, I, I mix them up. Like today, I had the, that was our lunch today. Um, I ordered while I was teaching, like so it got here like they dropped it on the doorstep and I just got to my lunch. Um, and I was surprised because Taylor, Taylor loves Jersey Mike's too. And Kathy's a big pub sub person. So I didn't know, like, I think it was a week and a half ago. I ordered subs from there for us for lunch. And, um, she's now like hooked. Like she loves their sub. And I'm like, all right, I've won her over. Cause I was, I am always down for Jersey Mike's. That's like the one sub that I'm like, anytime I will gladly get, that Philly and it's only 800 calories for the Philly cheesesteak. So, oh, um, it's it's you know a little more carbs, but I'm not really sweating carbs right now. I'm more about calories, so I can get that. And they also have uh, Vicky's um, jalapeno. Oh, chips. their chips are good. Yeah, so I'm just all about like I'm like give me the bag of chips, give me that. It's a thousand calories, but I'm gonna go run, so it's all good. You know, <laughs> yeah. all. Um, but yeah, like that is only my 500 uh, calories. It's never reassuring when your Fitbit tells you you've hit your step total when you're sitting in a chair. You're always like, well, how many of those steps are wrong then? If, if my if my gesticulation of me talking is enough to set the step meter, it's like, uh... you know, you make me nervous, Fitbit. I want to make sure I'm hitting my steps. All right. We're clearly done with this movie. Um, I like it. It's weird, but I, I like weird. And I like Jean, Jean-Pierre Genois more often than not. So I'm going um, not quite golden pony boy. What do um... you think, Corey? I I feel like I got the gist of the movie, um, and it is weird. It's very much um, his world, and I definitely feel like I need to watch it again, but it doesn't seem like I'm necessarily going to pick up, pick up everything that, you know. Um, it's not my favorite of his movies, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Amelie is my favorite, for sure. Del Cadesson forever i think that oh i need to make my own ratings <laughs> i'm gonna go with not not quite golden pony boy You've well it's like only been using this for three years <laughs> i like, know <laughs> but it's like i read them and it's like yeah i agree with that i agree with that and then i'm like no and then i'm like i agree with that and another one you know what i mean i just need to think of it as stars that's what I really at this point I just think of it as stars. It's my four star rating. So, um, and it, leaning towards like because there's stuff there that I, I just I love the artistry of the film. Like uh, there's so much to his style that I can't deny. I know, and it's even like I think is it John Paul Gaultier? What's his name? Um, he also did the uh, costumes for Fifth Element, I believe. Oh. But he's also a designer, and he did costumes for this movie as well. And I just think that. That's pretty cool. Um, we didn't even talk about the Cyclops guys, but yeah, it's fine. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this movie, but it's all it's all kind of crazy and weird. So, yes, but in a good way, like crazy and weird in a good way. And if you like his movies, definitely check it out. Yeah, it's definitely better than Alien Resurrections. Like, so oh my god, that. that movie does not exist. I I wish that were true. Um, I actually I think I think because of prometheus and covenant it is true i don't think it does exist in the canon anymore but i'm not 100 percent uh the canon in the prometheus. alien universe is weird i loved and, and admittedly that it's not great but i i enjoyed covenant i thought it was fun um 
and I also think Michael Fassbender like is Covenant. great in it. He he's pretty awesome. I wish that he would come back to acting, but in good movies, please. It does what seem like it's been a while. That one with Harry Hole. I don't even feel the right. The Snowman. The Snowman. Yeah. Where like, his detective character's name is actually Harry Hole. Like, who does that? Someone who wanted to make some kind of joke that apparently isn't made. Um, I've heard that movie is awful, but... I tried um, to watch it. I tried to watch it, guys. It was streaming somewhere, and I think I got, like, 15 minutes in, and I was like, no. Yeah, I heard. Not good. All right, I'm clearly tired. I gotta. I'm gonna try to finish this movie, but I'm gonna go brush my teeth and lay down. Um, in my recliner because COVID. So oh, no. that's it for the episode, listeners. Um, if you like what we're doing, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews, Corey. At Corey Arsar, two R's on the end. And before we end the episode, we must talk because this is the last one for the month. We got to talk about next month, September 2020. It's all about Martin Scorsese, baby. We are diving into the films of martin scorsese that we have not seen so we're starting off with my pick raging bull one of my huge gap movies for him um in hindsight i'm kind of wishing i put the king of comedy there but we're gonna go with raging bull um it's a movie about a boxer then Corey selected a period piece called the age of innocence directed by Scorsese. all of these are directed by scorsese <laughs> i think you do um, need to go to sleep <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mean Streets is the next one that I picked. I've been meaning to watch Mean Streets for a long time, pretty much um, since uh, Mean Earl and the Dying Girl, because they parody Mean Streets, and I was like, I really need to watch that movie. Um, I know a lot of people aren't as big a fan of that movie as you and I, but uh, Martin Scorsese interviewed the director, and he is um, like a protege of Scorsese, so I'm all about that that movie. Um, And then Corey's picked a a remake of Scorsese's, well, Scorsese did a remake cape fear um one that i saw as a kid but have not seen since so it'll still be like a rewatch for me or it is obviously god definitely need to go to sleep um as the obvious rewatch statement is there but it will be like a new movie because it's been a long time since i've seen it but i know i watched it as a kid um that will be september uh, raging bull age of innocence mean streets and cape fear and I'm going to probably try to squeeze in King of Comedy to check that off my Scorsese list. There's a there's actually several movies on his filmography that I want to watch and have not seen. Um, but it's, you know, we're only doing four episodes of, of Scorsese month because that's the way the month lands. So only four movies get checked off of our list of not seeing it. So that said, uh, follow us along with that. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find it and uh, help us, you know, spread the word about what we're doing. We will be back with our review of Raging Bull next week. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>